0: And you are indeed Locked On Magic. Today is October 18th, 2018. My name is Philip Rosenreich. I'm the expert and site editor over at OrlandoMagicDaily.com. You can, of course, follow me on Twitter at R underscore OMD. You're probably noticing no intro music, no special bells and whistles. The audio quality, probably not as good as you're used to. There is a good reason. My computer decided to have a kernel panic. Uh, it's I think it's kind of like a the Mac version of a panic attack. And uh, wasn't letting me do very much on the internet. So I have sent my computer into the shop. It is currently on injured reserve, uh, or the injured list, uh, at least for a little while. And so I'm trying to still give you the podcast uh, as best I can. I'll probably go a little bit shorter here in the next few days. I'll hopefully be back up and running at full speed by the beginning of next week. But it was opening night. There's no way I couldn't talk about the Orlando Magic's 104-101 victory over the Miami Heat. And so that's what we will do all day today, including talk about some of the decisions Steve Clifford made late in that game as the Magic were trying to hold on. And, of course, talk about the revelation that is Muhammad Bamba. Before we do any of that, though, I do want to remind you that you can check out all the other great podcasts on the Locked On Podcast Network. Like I said, last week on Locked On NBA, we did our season preview. Every Locked On host in the NBA circuit, all 30 teams previewed their teams in in a series of of podcasts um, over the course of the five days last week. Definitely worth a listen. Now that the NBA season has begun, if there's any action in the NBA that you may have missed, now is the time to check out those team podcasts. You want to know how Luka Doncic looked in his debut in the Mavericks' loss to the Phoenix Suns? You check out Locked On Mavericks. You want the Heat perspective on the Magic's win over the Miami Heat, you check out Locked On Heat. There's a Locked On podcast for you. The Locked On NBA gives you a global perspective on the league every single day, a daily podcast, different hosts too, talking about the big storylines around the NBA each night, and Locked On Fantasy Basketball has you covered on the fantasy perspective. It is an invaluable resource to have the Locked On Podcast family, the Locked On Podcast Network, to give you all the information that you need to know everything about your teams. It is literally your team every day. So definitely check that out. You can find that on iTunes, search for Locked On, and the team or podcast you are looking for. When it comes to the first game of the season, um, you never know entirely what to expect. Um, you know, I, I, I think I, I said this uh, pretty clearly and pretty loudly that yes, um, these early games. Have a bit of randomness about them. Teams are still figuring themselves out, figuring out what their identities are going to be and, and how exactly they're going to play. It's it's never a straight line. It's never a particularly clean uh, a clean thing to figure figure this out. It takes a little bit of time for some teams. Other teams are able to really figure it out immediately and, and make make a big impact. Uh, you know, other teams just never figure it out. Um, I think Magic fans are. Probably a little bit familiar with with that scenario sometimes, uh, but um, you do learn a little bit. Um, you do learn kind of, uh, 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 I guess, what the team is trying to do. It's really the first time that they're, that they're put under the winning pressure uh, for the most part. You know, you can try and simulate that in the preseason, but it, it really doesn't get there. And certainly the magic felt that at the end of the game, as we'll discuss in a little bit. But to me. The Magic's win over Miami wasn't about the way the game ended. And again, we'll talk about that. I'm not trying to bury the lead here. Um, I know that's what a lot of people were talking about online after the game. A lot of the conversations I had were about a, a big decision that Steve Clifford made that I will get to and talk about in just a moment. But the game overall for me, for the Orlando Magic, was about how well they played, how Even though the team wasn't shooting well, even though the team was struggling in a lot of areas, especially in that third quarter, Orlando's offense kind of fell off a cliff. And yet, they still maintained the lead in the fourth quarter. They grew the lead. Um, They had fantastic energy, uh, except for maybe the beginning of the game and and the end of the game when when things got really, really hectic. Um, They had fantastic energy. You saw really good signs from a lot of key players— Aaron Gordon especially, Muhammad Bamba especially and I, you know even though Jonathan Isaac had a little bit of a limited role, I thought Jonathan Isaac did some really nice things too, especially 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 at the end of the game when honestly I think he, he saved the game for the Orlando Magic with, with a really subtle defensive play um, that he had. Um, it, it was it was not wholly what the magic are going to have to be, obviously. Um, that this, this is a team that is still very much a work in progress, um, as Steve Clifford said before the game, and I think he repeated it after. Um, it's it, it, the defense is well ahead of the offense at this point. Um, the defense, um, you know, the, the rules and structures of a defense are more set, and, and the team, honestly, you know, again, maybe some nervy moments at the beginning of the game. Um, played some really strong defense throughout the entire game. They made life really hard for Miami once they settled into the rhythm of the game, once they found the energy that they needed. And that energy really came from the bench players. Muhammad Bamba, Terrence Ross, Jonathan Simmons, and Jaron Grant all played really strong games and helped kind of change the tenor and attitude of the game after Miami Took a, I think it was a 14-point lead in the first quarter uh, pretty quickly. Um, Orlando really had to fight and scratch and claw to get back into this game. And not only did they do that, not only did the Magic do that, they took control of the game and really had control of the game from probably the Beginning of the second quarter, all the way until the very end. Certainly, Miami made a little bit of a run in the third quarter, um, made it close. It was a tight game heading into the fourth quarter. But again, the bench came in in that fourth quarter and really dominated the game. And, and, and I'll, uh, I'm going to talk more specifically about Mobamba in a little bit, uh, a, a, a little bit later on in the podcast as well. Um, but the overall energy of the game, that once the bench came in, it brought everyone's energy up. The starters would come in, and they would, they would carry it through. And so um, in, in that sense, this team has a lot to be proud of, uh, of uh, on how they played. Um, this wasn't a pretty win by any, any sense of the imagination. Orlando struggled to shoot. They had their offensive troubles, and, 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 and the end of the game was the end of the game. But they played with a lot of energy and a lot of focus, and even if the execution wasn't perfect, they stuck to their principles, and that delivered them a win, number one, an opportunity to win, if not the win itself, and again, I think showed a preview of the way that they're going to have to play if they're going to be successful this year. This was a really strong game in that sense. Not a clean game, not a perfect game, uh, but a really strong game nonetheless, and a win that the Magic should be very proud of. Now, of course, there's no getting around it to that the end of the game was very, very messy. Not lean all messy, but messy. Orlando had an eight point lead with about two and a half minutes to play looked like they were going to kind of coast to the end. Uh, their defense was strong enough that you felt confident that they'd get enough stops. Their offense was scoring enough that, that you felt confident that, you know, they might, they might get a little tight, but Orlando would win by eight, nine points, maybe six points if, if, th- if things didn't go so well. But it, 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 it felt like Orlando had the game in hand with two and a half minutes to play. Of course, things are never easy for the Orlando Magic. They find a way to make everything a little bit more difficult. It started, I think, with Nikola Vucevic getting called for, uh, what I thought when I watched the replay of it, a dubious offensive foul call. Vucevic turned into Josh Richardson, uh, and Richardson flopped a little bit. Maybe he—I didn't think he took an elbow. I didn't think it was an especially egregious contact, and— the offensive foul was called. It was a turnover. Nikola Vucevic's fourth of five turnovers in this game. Um, from there, it was sort of a comedy of errors, as, as we've come to, to be used to here with uh, the Orlando Magic in late game situations. Aaron Gordon fouled Josh Richardson on a three-point attempt. Um, I think there was another and one thrown in there. Uh, there was a, there was a, a few silly turnovers, you know, plenty of missed shots. Obviously Orlando didn't score a field goal in the final, I think three and a half minutes of the game. Uh, there were a lot of these little plays and, and of course it culminated with the magic up by four points. That culminated with really two plays. Um, with the magic up by four points, they were trying to inbound the ball, Jaron Grant gets it around the mid-court line. He's trapped. He he passes it to Nikola Vucevic, um, and they're able to get a jump ball with Vucevic and in what was, I think, really bad luck and a really heady play by Goran Dragic. Uh, Vucevic wins a tip, but Dragic steals it from Orlando, runs it to the other end, and scores a layup to cut the lead to two. Jonathan Simmons would then split a pair of free throws. Evan Fournier would then miss a pair of free throws as well. Miami Miami was uh, down one at that point. They were able to... They had a chance to win this game, frankly, with about six seconds left. They, had, they were inbounding to win the game, and that's when I think Jonathan Isaac made a really nice defensive play. He cut off... Josh, or He stayed in front of Josh Richardson, forcing Richardson to go a little bit wider than he might normally do because Jonathan Isaac is a big dude, quick feet, long arms. And this is where I think you, you really see the, the power of length on the perimeter. Richardson couldn't get around... Uh, Isaac at the angle that he's probably used to, so he took a little bit of a wider angle to try and cheat it, ended up stepping out of bounds, that saved the game for the Orlando Magic, Evan Fournier goes to the line, makes the two free throws, Orlando wins 104-101, to so a nervy end for sure, Orlando's got to clean up that late game execution, frankly at this point it just feels like confidence, it feels like all those scars of the last six years are still very present with the team, and maybe even talking about that brings it up. But it still feels like this team is isn't quite over that hump yet, as far as um, as far as uh, finishing these games, and it's going to take some time to to gain that confidence. Um, but like I said, Orlando made the plays they needed to do to make the to get the win. They did a lot of things that I think uh, say good things about. The future and the direction the team wants to go, and and who this team wants to be, I think we saw glimpses of their identity, of who they are and who they want to be, uh, and that's a good sign. There's obviously there's obviously a long way to go. This this game is not the end product. I mean, obviously, uh, I mean, it's the inter- it's the age of the internet. It's the age of Twitter. Everyone wants to make conclusions immediately. They don't want to have to wait around and and, and, de- and debate things or, or anything like that. Um, they, they want kind of immediate results. That's not what this game was. This was a big first step. Don't get me wrong. I thought Orlando did a lot of things that they, that they want to do. There's plenty to build off of, even if, you know, not in the way that they lost the game. But, you know, let's say Miami would have kept it close. and They would have lost a close game. There was still. They, I think the magic got out of this game what they wanted to get out of it. They they showed that they are understanding the concepts. They're committed to those concepts, even if they don't get things wrong. They stick with them, um, and that's an important step to build upon. And obviously, they got plenty. They got plenty of time to get better. Not a lot of practice time, obviously, because they, they'll practice Thursday and then Friday they'll be back into into game mode in a big game against Charlotte Hornets. Uh, but I, I think this was a really really nice step. For the Orlando Magic, and, and, and they took care of business and got the win in the end. Let's run through that final box score for you real fast before we talk a little bit more about Mohamed Bamba. Um, the uh, Orlando Magic end up shooting 41.5% from the floor, 7 for 25 from beyond the arc. Yeah, shooting's going to be a problem, and, and a really inauspicious 19 for 31 from the foul line. Evan Fournier missed, uh, missed a pair of free throws late in the game. That was very uncharacteristic of him. He was 3-for-6 from the foul line for the game. Aaron Gordon also got to the foul line for 4-of-6 shooting as well. Jonathan Simmons, 4-of-6 from the foul line too. 19-for-31 um, free throws. Great to see the Magic get to the line for 31 free throws. That's not something they've done a lot in the last six years. Um, but got to make free throws. Got to take advantage of that those trips to the foul line. Something that really left the game wide open. If Orlando had made their free throws, they were struggling to shoot free throws in the first half. If they made their free throws throws, it is a completely different ball game, and so that's something that they've got to improve upon as well. On top of all that, Orlando had 20 assists on their 39 field goal makes, keeping that ball moving. Very, very important to some of the individual performances then. Aaron Gordon was a star on Wednesday night. 26 points, 9 for 18, shooting 4 for 5 from beyond the arc, and a career high, or tying a career high, with 16 rebounds. I, I I described it this way in my grades post. It never felt like, it didn't feel like there were any Aaron Gordon highlights in this game. It felt like everything Gordon was doing was really within the offense and, and, and felt very natural. Um, and I think early on especially, he really made it a focus to... Get good shots for his teammates. He wasn't looking for his own shot. His shots really came in that second and that third quarter uh, with, those second unit, with those second unit lineups, to be perfectly honest. Uh, and from there, he was, he was making three-pointers, obviously, which, which makes him look a little bit better. And I thought his shot selection got worse as the game went on. He started falling into the, those bad habits, which you can tell there's a real concerted effort to, to be different this year. Um, and You saw it through the preseason, and I, and I think you really saw it in Wednesday night's game that, that he is really taking this responsibility very seriously and growing his game. And, and There's obviously going to be some hiccups along the way, but a really strong effort from him. Again, 26 points on 9 for 18 shooting. That's a, hyper, that's a, that's a pretty efficient game in, in my book, and, and again, 4 for 5 from beyond the arc. Um, the rebounding, though, was what really stood out to me. It, 16 rebounds is hard to do. Um, But Gordon was seeking out rebounds. He was fighting for boards. He he twice got into jump balls with Hassan Whiteside going after rebounds. And and rebounds that that he had decent position for, and Whiteside is a really good rebounder and and kind of got to to the ball at the same time as he did. But Gordon was fighting all night long. And, you know, for a team leader, for a guy that you expect to be the team's leading scorer, and right now, as of today, is the team's leading scorer, Um, You want to see him fighting and scrapping for those extra possessions, not only on the offensive glass, but on the defensive glass as well. If Gordon, I mean, you're not going to expect him to average 16 rebounds per game, but if Gordon is fighting on the glass the same way that he fought on the glass on Wednesday night's game, he's going to be taking a major step up in in his production and, and his ability this season. Um, like I said, uh, Evan Fournier, thirteen points, five for fifteen shooting, missed all five of his three point shots. Continues to struggle from the from the field in, in every way. Um, not a lot to say about Evan. He he's just got to make shots. Um, you know you know he generally makes the right play, but he's got to make shots. Same has got to be said for Nikola Vucevic, twelve points, four for twelve shooting, eight rebounds, four assists, four turnovers. Um, Vucevic had a really rough night. Um, team team worst mi- minus seventeen on the game. If for whatever plus minus is worth, that's that's kind of what that that's kind of what it was. But early on in the game, especially, he was really struggling with pick and roll coverages and pick and roll defense. Um, it, none of this is new. It's a common complaint about Nikola Vucevic and and a common thing about him that that he struggles on that end. He struggles with those uh, with 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 that. Ability, that skill, and and it's something that he's still working to improve upon, and and maybe he never can. Um, but he also showed in the second quarter that he can he can do it, that he can be really good. He had a really couple really nice defensive plays in that second quarter as Orlando was was building and maintaining its lead late in that quarter. But um, undoubtedly, uh, you know, v- the the Heat were attacking Vucevic. Um, one of the more controversial decisions of the game, and and honestly. I'll say this. I thought Steve Clifford's rotation decisions, for the most part, were really good, were really smart. Um, He took Aaron Gordon out kind of early in the first quarter and had him run with the second unit, and that made the second unit that much more dangerous because not only did they have a lot of good energy guys and a really balanced lineup that featured a guy like Terrence Ross and a guy like Mo Bamba, they had a a primary score on Aaron Gordon, and that kind of let Gordon scratch that isolation itch a little bit going up against weaker competition. I thought that was a really smart rotation decision. I hope but something that honestly continues on because the Magic have guys who can score a little bit. And Fournier, and Vucevic, they, they didn't so much on 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 Wednesday, but they've got guys that can, that can handle that can handle the scoring load. Putting Gordon with that unit gives them, uh, I think, a little bit of an advantage if you're putting your best player in with second with second unit guys. Um, but but of course, um, uh, uh, Vucevic really really struggled. uh, And and going back to him in the fourth quarter was something that was honestly the debate among Magic fans. Um, You know, I I, I took the position kind of defending Clifford a little bit on that. I thought that. Uh Bamba was looking as good as Bamba played in the fourth quarter, and he really took over that fourth quarter. Um, Bamba looked a little tired to me, and, and I thought that going back to Vucevic uh, was the right decision. Maybe they should have done it a little bit early to get Bamba a, a breather, or maybe they could have ridden Bamba a little bit longer. Um, I, I, I don't know if it was the right decision. Uh, the team won, so you know maybe it's moot. Um, I think that the way Clifford planned out his rotations and planned out how he wanted to bring guys in and out Probably didn't bank on Bamba playing as well as he did, uh, but um, but you know certainly there there is plenty of room to debate that you know maybe the Magic should have left Bamba in the game. Maybe the Magic should not have gone back to Vucevic, was a guy that the Heat were clearly targeting and attacking throughout the entire game. Uh, so you know, it's one game. I think that you're okay after one game. It's a small sample size. I. I I won't say that Steve Clifford made the right decision or the wrong decision. I think he made a defensible decision. I think that uh, his decision was rational and and certainly one you can defend um, whether you agree with it or not. Um, It turned out okay. If it didn't, maybe we do blame him. Maybe we don't. Um, but I think, you know, we're, as we're going to see, I think Bomba's really going to push for minutes soon. And it's going to be, you know, uh, that trust is going to grow. And I think that trust grew in this game to where next time this happens, next time the Magic are in this situation, Bomba stays in the game. Um, I, I, right now, I think it's just about building trust. And, and Bomba's still building that trust. And so I, I don't read a whole lot into it quite yet. Again, Orlando shoots just forty-one and a half percent from the floor, seven for twenty-five from beyond the arc, nineteen for thirty-one from the foul line. They hold Miami to thirty-nine point two percent shooting, nine for thirty-three from beyond the arc. Uh, Overall, a fantastic defensive effort from the Orlando Magic. Um, They're off. Let's get the 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 four-factor stats here going. Uh, I I did not look at those. Um, The Heat with a. 98.1 98.1 offensive rating, so the Magic held them to less than a point per possession. Um, again, just a really strong defensive game for the Orlando Magic, um, and, and really all that they could hope for and dream of as they start this NBA season. Once again, the final score, the Orlando Magic defeat the Miami Heat, 104-101 to at the Amway Center to open up their 30th anniversary 2019 season. So you probably noticed I didn't talk about Mo Bamba's final stat line because I want to talk about it right here. 13 points, 6 for 8 shooting, 1 for 2 from beyond the arc, 7 rebounds, 2 blocks. That is about all you could hope and dream for from Mo Bamba in his debut. I'm certainly one that was trying to temper expectations. I I thought that Bamba would be a little bit of a slow developer— um, while he was very impressive in the preseason, it's clear that he still has a lot of work and room to grow and develop in, and, and obviously, um, it's not all going to happen in one day. So, you know, I I think that you know you got to tamper your you got to tamp down your expectations just a little bit, and be willing to be patient with it. Mo Bamba was having none of that in this game. Sure. There were some nervy moments for him early on. He fumbled the first couple passes that he got. uh, Actually, the second pass that he received, the second touch in the game. He fumbled the ball, recovered, and then drove for a layup. And from then on, this game was all about Mo Bamba. I I get it. Aaron Gordon scored 26 points. I get it. There was a strange finish at the end. But this game was all about Mohamed Bamba, who all of a sudden not only looked like a a, a solid bench player, but a guy that can completely change the game for the Magic. It's one game, so let's not dive too deep into hyperbole. Let's see if he can do it again. But if this game, this opening game, this debut game, is the norm for Mohamed Bamba, then this kid is going to be very, very good. And honestly, throughout preseason, through you know even some of the struggles that he was having, you could tell this kid is going to be really good. He's a smart basketball player. He just he knows where to be on the floor. Uh, he knows he, he just knows how to play. Ba- I mean, he knows how to play basketball in a way that that is advantageous to his teammates as much as it is to himself. Um, he, he he runs the floor so incredibly well. And he's such a big target; it's easy to find him. And defensively, he's in the right spots, and he's challenging shots, and and you can't ignore his presence. You know, he said after the game, you know, in the fourth quarter, he blocked a shot into the into the first row, and and honestly, the Magic haven't seen anyone do that since Dwight Howard. The Magic have not seen anyone block the shot into oblivion since Dwight Howard. That is. Almost certainly fact, and so he's doing that. And you know, he said in that sense. You know, usually I try to tip it to my teammates. He didn't really have a good, exp- good reason or a good explanation for why he sent that so emphatically into the next, into the next, into the stratosphere. But we'll take it because that's a statement block. That's a statement play. Just like. You know, Aaron Gordon doing a wraparound pass to Bamba for two handed jam is a statement play. Just like, you know, a- everything Bamba did seemed to be a bit of a statement play. A bit of a, I'm here and I'm going to dominate you. Sure, Bamba got beat a few times. Um, Bam Adebayo was very physical with him, and, 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 and veteran players, every player, is going to test him physically. And is going to try and make sure that you know that, that he can handle the beating that's going to come in the NBA, but it's also undeniable that the magic were better with him on the floor, and it's not just about plus minus, which, which is in his favor. I think he was plus thirteen, the highest on the team again, for whatever that that measurement is worth. The magic were better with him the, the argument that he should have been on the floor in crunch time that he should have been the one to finish the game is completely valid because in that fourth quarter it was all about mobamba every play that he was making every thing that he was doing was only feeding the energy for the magic and giving them the buoyancy to take that lead and take that game i'm someone that leaves the Magic are going to bring Bamba along slowly, that they're not going to give him more than he's capable of handling. And I, I kind of said throughout this whole preseason, throughout this whole you know, process before we got to this point, to the regular season, that you know bomba has got to show that he's mastered the first step before they give him the second step. And that seemed to be the approach the Magic were taking. I would say after this one game that he's already completed the first step. What we saw in the role that he played in Wednesday's game is not the simple step. He's got a fully-fledged role, and he's already an impact player for the team. It really feels like the Magic got a good one in Mo Bamba. And it's hard not to watch him and be impressed. You know, uh, one of the questions that I've gotten in my mailbag several times now is when do you think Mobamba is going to enter the starting lineup? And I, I, I hedged my bets on that one. I said, you know, if let's say Nikola Vucevic gets injured here in November, early in the season, I don't think Mobamba starts yet. And that's what I said at least. You know, it probably won't happen until around the trade de- trade deadline when the team is kind of ready to turn the reins over. But let's make this perfectly clear too. If Wednesday's game is any indication of things that are to come with Mo Bamba, it's going to be hard to keep him out of the lineup. Honestly, the fact Steve Clifford is playing Mo Bamba and Nikola Vucevic together in regular season games is a statement that Clifford thinks he's ready for minutes, and he's got to get him on the floor. He's got to play him. And if Bomba's at that step, even after one game, I think we can conclude it's only a matter of time for Bomba's not only finishing games, but starting them too. I want to thank you all again for listening to today's episode of Locked on Magic. Of course, find me on Twitter at Locked on Magic and and follow the podcast on Facebook at Locked on Magic. You can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, and all the fun places to download podcasts to your podcast. Podcast enabled listening device. You can follow me on Twitter at Philip R underscore OMD. And of course, for the latest on the Orlando Magic, check out OrlandoMagicDaily.com. You can course, follow us on Twitter there too t- at OMagicDaily. I apologize once again for the audio quality here. Uh, like I said, my computer currently on the injured list, on the inactive list, I guess it's called. Um, so, uh, hopefully I'll have it back by the beginning of next week. I wanted to make sure that I'm still able to podcast a little bit. So no music, no special, anything today, just recording off, off my recorder. So the sound quality is probably a little shaky, a little bad. I do apologize for that, but Hey, the magic want to know, what do you have to complain about? Right, 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 right. Okay. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, I'm doing my best here, but I'll be back again tomorrow. I'll do another quick episode of Locked on Magic. This episode actually went a little, little longer than I thought. We'll preview, the, we'll preview Friday's game against the Charlotte Hornets. I'm hoping to watch the, Ma- the Hornets game here on League Pass um, tonight or tomorrow morning. But until then, for Orlando Magic Daily and Locked on Magic, this has been Philip Rossman Reich. I'll see you all again next time for another episode of Locked on Magic.